Hello and welcome to another APW Property Podcast. My name is Paul Shearer. I'm an independent property writer as well as serial property renovator and sometime landlord. APW is a company that advises people from all over the world, especially expats, on how to buy property in the UK. And I'm joined by Callum Williamson. Hello, Paul. Hi, Callum. And uh, also with you is Ben Lewis from APW. Hi, Paul. Hi, Ben. Over the last weeks, we've been taking you through APW's seven-step process to making your purchase. APW has set out the process in a handy 32-page ebook: how to purchase UK property while living overseas. And if you're impatient to get everything at once, then go online to the APW website, fill in your info, and you can download your complimentary copy of the ebook. But if you like your information in smaller, audio-bite-sized chunks, then you've come to the right place. Uh, Callum, uh, remind us of the first six steps. Yeah, okay, just a quick recap. If you're new to the podcast, uh, and if you are, if you enjoy it, please make sure you give it a thumbs up or give it five stars and leave a little comment in the bottom. But the first six steps are defining your goal, off the back of that, choosing a location, then you're getting a mortgage, then you're doing your conveyancing and your legals. In fifth place, you're making an offer, and then number six is managing a property. Yes, so if you've done number six, and you've hired some managing agents, they're probably going to find some tenants for you. But here we're just looking at that process of uh, finding tenants. Obviously, good tenants are invaluable to you as a landlord. And the better the tenant, the better your investment is going to be secured. So how do you set about finding tenants? Okay, so, you know, if we throw back to a previous episode, you can just use a management managing agent, which I think to reiterate again, is the easiest way to go ask your managing agent to do the whole thing for you, job done, is it cocktail hour? Yes, it always always is, pass the mojito. Yeah, okay, uh, that's the easy way. But uh, say you're going to take the slightly harder route and you're going to find tenants yourself. How do you do it? What, what's the process? What do you need to start with? Okay, well, I mean, there's a few things, you know, just to, to sort of add to that. If you have other plans for the property, you know, which means you're tempted to find tenants yourselves. For example, you might have family or friends who want uh, to want to rent. Uh, there's some family buy to let mortgages that allow you to do just that, uh, particularly useful if you are trying to help your children or nieces or nephews make the transition from university life to the real world. Uh, you can ask your mortgage broker for details about these mortgages if it is your plan. But if you're looking for tenants in the general market, sorry, how do you go about that? You need to start by assessing your property. Ben, why yeah. don't you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we're just, uh, just picking up on that point first, though, about the different mortgages. You've got the buy-to-let mortgage, you're not actually then supposed to be invested in the property yourself as a tenant or your family and friends. You can't use that. As you say, there are. you can then get in touch with your mortgage company and they, you can get a kind of family use buy-to-let. Uh, they seem to think that renting to your family is slightly higher risk than renting to someone you don't know. It's kind of weird, quirky bit of the mortgage process. Uh, but the third thing is if you're going to use the property yourself, uh, you would have, have, have applied for a residential mortgage, which comes under a slightly different regulation regime. So check with your mortgage company as to what you are allowed to do and who you're allowed to rent to. That would be one of the first stages. But then, yeah, the, the next step, Ben, uh, assessing your property. Um, yeah, sure. Um, so you need to know, well, what you need to know is really you need to know about your property. What is it like? Um, who will it appeal to? Um, sort of what is the competition in the local area? And do you want it to be let furnished or unfurnished? Now, that is a big question. 
especially in the off-plan market, um, especially if you're buying uh, sort of a city centre uh, development, mainly because are you are you looking for a young professional um, to go in there? So you, you need to really cast a critical eye over the furniture to, just to make sure that it matches um, your target client's expectation. Yeah, and you need to know you need you know you need to know about who it's going to appeal to, right? Like we say, so it's is it the your three, four bed family house in the countryside or in a commuter area, or is it a one bed flat in city centres? I mean, one bed flats in city centres are probably going to appeal more to a single young professional than they would a family. Also then, I guess if it's a one bed flat, it's going to appeal to a young professional, you need to think about putting furniture in there because they're not going to have their own furniture that they've built up over time. So, you know, it's all these different things you need to look at when you're making the decision. Exactly. Yes. And your own personal taste is not necessarily the market guideline um, because one person's shabby chic is another person's. Uh, can you take that? To the tip? <laughs> exactly. Can you take that to the tip, please? You know. uh, yeah. So uh, how do you go about then sort of assessing that that look and feel and who the market is in, in an area? Uh, well, I guess you would. I mean, you, you sort of got to look at you know, where you've bought in the first instance, you know, what else is around you? Are you, you know, geographically, are you out in the countryside or are you in a city centre? You know, are you close to transport links? Are you close to employment centres? Going back to our uh, PI framework that we always use, population, infrastructure and employment. So you just need to assess that, you know, to see what's what. You can do that by simply going for a walk around. You can look on right move at uh, what other properties are renting for and the style they're renting at, at what price point. Uh, you can use tools like property data where you can get information on the demographic of a specific postcode down to the exact postcode. So there's lots of ways, there's lots of ways you can do it, which again, take lots and lots of time. Yes. Obviously then you're looking for what your competition is in an area uh, with particular strands of tenant. You know, who are you, who are you aiming your property at and what do other people do? So that's going to help you fix the rent, which is obviously a big factor in getting tenants in how do you assess the rent yeah sure paul so most tenants want to keep their outgoings as low as possible um so you you, you want to check on as many rental and property portals as you can uh, to find out what is going on um with the rent in that area so decide your rent according to market conditions and in a slow market, you might want to reduce the rent just to attract potential renters. Yeah, and I think that's important. You know, you often we often get people asking us saying, Well, you know, what if it's what if it's not rented? I think, well, if it's not rented, you've simply got, you know, your, your rent uh, too high. If you reduce the rent, you will find someone willing to rent it. So it's it's all about, yeah, pricing the property correctly. And I don't think if it's priced correctly, you will ever have an empty property. Uh, advertising the property? Okay, that's it. Well, when you fixed the price, it's time to advertise. So uh, online portals like Rightmove and Zoopla uh, only allow agents who pay a monthly subscription to advertise. So as a private landlord, you've got to find alternatives. There are services like Quicklister, which allow you to, to use online portals by using their subscription. Uh, there's free social media pages, Facebook, Google, Instagram, Gumtree. Uh, and you can also place your property in local newspapers, magazines, brochures, or you know the the boards where you go and pin advertisements in the post office. That's a bit old school now. Oh, there you go. Notice boards in local clubs, <laughs> <laughs> news agents, local societies might be prepared to email vacancy alerts to their memberships. If all else fails, I know one landlord who has had considerable success renting rooms in the HMO 
with the expensive marketing campaign of a sheet of A4 stuck in his window. So, yeah, do you know who? Do you know who that landlord is, Callum? It, it's you. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very pricey marketing. I just put the A4 in, saying HMO room available, and um, usually we get people very, very quickly. It is very common as well, Paul, in student accommodation, especially when I was um, in in Swansea uh, when I was doing my law degree. That yeah, when that time come about to try and find accommodation for the next year you would you would see it you would see um, an a4 sheet of paper um letting them know that um, you are able to go and view it as um there is space for the following year now yeah well you mentioned viewing there viewing the property now if you're overseas how do you arrange for viewings uh, and also viewing changed a, uh, quite a lot in lockdown take us through the new ways of arranging viewings callum Yes. Okay. Uh, good. Good question. If you have a lot of inquiries, maybe an open viewing might be the way to go, which is where you have uh, people coming around to, to take a look at the house. But as you say, the pandemic made viewing it a bit more challenging uh, and remote FaceTime and smartphone viewings or video recording viewings became a lot more uh, popular. So services like Viewber can take the hassle out of this process. Viewers are local, reliable individuals trained and vetted to provide viewings on your behalf. Uh, there are no subscriptions. You simply book online and pay when you need the service. Okay, so uh, you've had the viewings, found a tenant. Um, sometimes you're going to want to meet the tenants. Obviously, now with Zoom and Teams and other online face-to-face meetings possible. But there's plenty of stories, though, of people being tricked into renting a property to someone who seemed ideal and then wasn't. What are you going to do to to assess your tenant? How do you how do you do that? Yeah, that is a very good question. Uh, since Brexit, there is a requirement for landlords to check the tenant's right to rent. Failure to, to do so could result in a hefty fine. Um, yes, that's the right to rent for um, non-UK nationals. Uh, you have to make sure that yeah, landlords becoming part of the uh, immigration service, checking that the people are allowed to rent and allowed to be in the country, which is quite difficult sometimes. Yeah, I, I mean, I can imagine, um, you know, I think, yeah, obviously you want to try and find references as well for your tenants. So how can you do that? Previous landlords or employers, you can ask for those if, if you're doing it yourself. Social media nowadays, everyone's got that. It's pretty easy to find people online. So have a look at what their social media presence is like when they're trying to show off to their friends and not impress a, a landlord. Uh, perhaps you, you want a guarantor for the tenancy. Um, there's a comprehensive article from the Citizens Advice Bureau about how you can do this. Uh, there's also the option of running a credit check. There's a guide from Equifax uh, that we'll stick in the link or in the comments, yeah. I guess. That's Equifax and Experian, they're the kind of credit report agencies. So, yeah, there's quite a lot to do just to assess your tenant. Um, assuming all goes well, you found the right tenant for your property, there are still things to do for you to organise your before the tenancy begins. Now, we've been through some of these in earlier podcasts about just making sure that you're giving them all the right paperwork, that they are, um, you've got the contract to sort, you've got the all of the legislation to keep up with. So it goes back to perhaps maybe you'll rethink your decision about a managing agent. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. If you're not, uh, if you haven't been thinking that for the past few minutes, then I think you would now after looking at the tenancy paperwork that you need particularly if you're trying to do this from overseas. So maybe it's easier if, you, if you're if you just 
like you say, if you do have mum and dad around the corner and it's just a one bed flat, you might think that you can get away with it. But uh, even then, it's going to put a lot of pressure on your mum and dad. Yeah, look, and, and, and if you're there in the UK and, and you have the time to do it and you don't find it too tedious, then, you know, great. I think if it fits in with your goals and your situation, then you can do it. But I think certainly for, you know, the people that we, we, we're speaking to on a regular basis, people overseas, I mean, I think you would be mad to try and yeah manage a property property from overseas especially with all the sort of the stresses that go along with being an expat you know that sort of full full-on approach to life where you're either working very hard or enjoying yourself so i think it certainly makes sense to, to go down the management route okay so you you rethought your decision about managing agent you found a tenant um now can you pass the mojito or is there still more to do uh, i think i think um you can pass the mojito can you pass the mojito or is there more to do <laughs> Well, I mean, you still own the property, so you must have some obligations as a as an owner. Yeah, I mean, the point about finding a tenant and and running a property yourself is that there is just an enormous amount of legislation for a landlord to comply with. Uh, you've got gas safety certificates, electrical condition inspection reports. Uh, are all the portable appliances in the property and uh, pat tested? Um, do you have an energy performance certificate, which is a required element? Uh, is there a property condition report? Uh, have you done an inventory of all the items in the property? Have you signed that with the tenant? Have you given them their right to rent responsibilities as a landlord? Has a fire risk assessment been done on the property? Is all the firefighting equipment in working order? Fire alarms? All of those kind of things. Is the property subject to selective additional mandatory license? Is your insurance up to date? So, Maybe you'll be rethinking your decision about <laughs> finding tenancy yourself and you'll be uh, thinking a managing agent. So assuming you've done that, the managing agent has found you a tenant. Now, can you pass the mojito? Yes, in theory, but you still have responsibilities as the legal owner. No, no, I want that mojito now. What, what, are, these, what are these legal responsibilities? <laughs> uh, new tenancies, if a tenant leaves, you know, hopefully if you do the finding a tenant correctly, you'll find uh, you know one for longer term, but they do leave, so you'll have to do it all again. Uh, keeping an eye on on the on the managing agent, uh, filing tax returns—that's an ongoing thing. But again, you work with an accountant that does that for you. Okay, so yes, I mean it's it's useful knowing at least what it is that the managing agent is doing on your behalf, and you're going to be keeping an eye on them. There are stories of of dodgy managing agents. So again, going back to the finding one who's accredited. But that's that's it. That's the seven-step process. So you bought property, you found the tenants, and well, hey, what's next? Well, I mean, I don't know. We, we, sh we should take a bit of time to reflect on it, I guess. I mean... Start again and grow your portfolio, I suppose. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think as a closing thought or some closing thoughts, you know, it seems like a lot when you, you, you create sort of uh, seven 20-minute episodes discussing it, but in reality, it can be done... I think if you sit down in an afternoon, you can plan all of this out yourself and you can put some steps in place and you can find all the people that can support you with all of this. So, um, yeah, again, finding right people, doing research and, and setting some clear goals. I think goal setting and working with, with quality people is the key to it. But once you've done it all, you know, if you weren't uh, put off by especially all that management agent stuff, then, yeah, just go again, start saving up again and, and buy your next one. Yes, and, and keep listening to our podcast. And keep giving it five stars if you haven't done already, because there's a lot of you out there that listen to it. And we haven't got that many stars yet. So if you want a bajito, please like <laughs> and subscribe.
We'll free see. mojitos, free mojitos for everyone who posts a five star review. Uh, also, do do um, send in your emails podcast at apwproperty.co.uk. Uh, send in if you'd like us to cover any particular topics. Uh, but that's it for today. Uh, and that's it for the seven step process, our series within a series. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it and found our overview useful. Uh, many thanks to Emma Holton, our producer from Brilliant Audio. Until next time, it's goodbye from Callum. Goodbye, Paul. And it's goodbye from Ben. Goodbye, Paul. And it's goodbye from me. My name is Paul Shearer. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at Brilliant Audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stum. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.